This is Inspiring Minds, a podcast focused on thought-provoking conversations between VSB students and our world-class faculty. Hi, I'm Lexi Evans, a senior accounting major here at VSB, and today I'm interviewing Dr. Denise Haynes-Downey, Assistant Professor of Accounting, for this episode of Inspiring Minds. Dr. Downey, what made you decide to research offshoring within the auditing industry, or more specifically, work redesign, as you call it in your paper? When I left public accounting in 2009, that was when a lot of the firms were just starting to publicize their efforts around offshoring. The idea behind this is to provide first-year auditors or audit staff the opportunity to perform more interesting work um, and also create some efficiencies within the audit, both from a cost perspective as well as a time perspective. If you use resources in India, you can create essentially a 24-hour work environment where someone in India performs work while you're sleeping, and that can lead to a lot of efficiencies. So what made me decide to research offshoring was just hearing my friends in practice talk about their experiences with these new work models and also how it was impacting their teams, which is how like work redesign comes out. Because you can't assume that I can send 10% of my audit work offshore and that it won't alter mm-hmm. what is going on domestically. So that's how I, I came to the paper. So I read in your research that you conducted interviews of audit seniors and managers about work redesign. So one person mentioned that some clients, especially smaller ones, might feel as though they're not being prioritized if they find out work for their audit is being done by people outside their own engagement team. And I was just wondering what your thoughts are on this. There is a sense of the work being performed offshore not being important. And that is concerning in the sense that each part of the audit is important in its own way. So yes, is a first year's work less risky than a partner's work? Of, of course. However, each part of the audit provides a foundation for the next piece and, and that it's all interdependent. But I, I do think... You know, audit firms are businesses and they're trying just like every other industry out there to make sure that they have an efficient business model. And if some things can be sent to people who are not sitting face to face with the client and they can perform those accurately and effectively, then why wouldn't we have people like you, Lexi, who are going to go to the firm, right? And you're going to sit in front of the client and you're going to ask hard questions. Why wouldn't we free up some of your time so that you can be more effective in person? I'm wondering, as someone who's soon to be a staff auditor, if you think this helps young auditors build more advanced skills or that it could be detrimental to not take the time to learn how to complete the most basic audit procedures. It's not directly addressed in this study, but it is certainly very relevant to the conversation around offshoring. So if I was just going to say based on my reading or or what's out there in the literature, I can answer this question, but not necessarily from the results of this work. So the, the accounting profession is worried about attracting and retaining the best people, particularly the best people in the millennial generation who are going to fill the next generation of the of the firm. I would say that offshoring, analytics, new developments in the audit industry are beneficial to helping the firms meet the expectations of millennials in North America. The one thing that is discussed in the paper is that when you you embark on a new work model or you introduce a portion of 
of the workforce that is maybe distributed, you do have to think about what the consequences are to the domestic work design. There are going to be some residual effects, and and not that they have to be bad effects, but that we at least have to acknowledge that taking this work overseas is going to impact some of the way we do things here. And, And how do we put new frameworks? How do we put new interventions around what we do here to make sure that you can be effective as a staff auditor? In terms of building advanced skills, there is a lot of discussion around this. So what does it mean when you're in an apprenticeship model business and you're taking out the base level tasks? I think anecdotally, one thing the firms would say, well, just because we offshored 100 confirmations, doesn't mean that you are never going to perform a confirmation task. It just means that you're not going to have to do it a hundred times. I also think it's incumbent upon us as educators to recognize that the landscape is changing and make sure that the curriculum adapts to that. So one potential criticism of offshoring is its effect on task identity when onshore staff finish something that was originally distributed elsewhere. You conducted an experiment as part of your research that evaluated the impact of task identity and task significance on performance, and I was hoping you could explain the concept of task identity and the results of the experiment, and also how work outcomes are affected by these factors. Task design is the idea that you can either start a task and perform it the entire way, so it's your task, Lexi. You start it, you sign off on it, that is your responsibility, or that you could pick up a task midway through. Um, So in this case, I could have you be sending confirmations to a bank to get comfort over the cash account, right? Um, And I could say, Lexi, it's your responsibility to do the confirms, or I could say, Lexi, we're sending the confirmations offshore, And what may happen and what the interviews suggest are happening is that the offshore work comes back and it doesn't meet expectations. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that the people offshore aren't talented and knowledgeable. That just means that there's a lot of coordination and communication issues going on. Mm -hmm. And what the interview suggests is happening is rather than provide better guidance to the offshore staff and have them redo the work, that often the senior or the manager will take the work and say, hey, Lexi, We sent this offshore, it's halfway done, Mm -hmm. can you finish it? So we know that when you don't perform a task from start to finish, the theory would suggest that you're not going to take ownership of it and you're not going to do as good a job. Um, But what's interesting here is that then you have to start to think about task significance. So we know from the interviews and reading in the literature that offshore work is typically discounted. It's not going to be value-added or it's mundane work. And what the study finds in looking at these two variables is that for your performance to be lowered, it actually has to be the confirmations come back to you to finish, right? So so you're performing them from a point in progress, but you also have to believe that they are of lower significance. So you really have to buy into that discount for your performance to decline. So it really takes those two things. It's not just um, performing it from the midpoint. It's more that you're performing it from the midpoint and you believe that the work is not valuable, which is interesting because it suggests that if you have these coordination and communication issues that might continue for a period of time, if you would just acknowledge what does it take to make you think that the task is significant or important and and would that be something that could really help your performance. So I think this is provides some good insights 
for both practitioners and regulators to start to think about how can we structure this in terms of making everything more effective, right? So we're going to use these resources to to give you more time and the face-to-face hard questions, but realizing that there's going to be some work that comes back, how do we make sure that that work gets effectively performed and is at the highest level it can be? So overall, what was the most surprising finding from your research or what left the most impression on you? I think just listening to how individuals candidly described what their view of the offshore situations they had been put in, I I think that was really surprising to me. And and I think Mm -hmm. it's reflective of people just being in a, an engagement or a situation where they're frustrated, right? Um, but I think if you really take a, a broader view of this, the message is not that offshoring is bad. But how can we get people to look at the 30,000-foot view and say, here is what is going to happen, and where are we going to find that there are residual effects domestically? So mm-hmm. whenever there's change, you're going to have people that are are experiencing frustrations. And so how do we look at that theoretically and say, people are going to experience these frustrations, but what can we do to provide better guidance or what can we do to put some theoretical context in place of ways that perhaps the situation can be rectified or at least identify that here are some coordination and communication challenges, here are some likely outcomes put it back on future research or, or practitioners to go ahead and look at what can we do with this to make sure that this isn't a prevalent experience. But I think it's an interesting project and something that really resonates with lots of students like you. Thank you again, Dr. Downey, for talking with us today for this episode of Inspiring Minds. Thanks, Lexi. Thank you for listening to Inspiring Minds. Stay tuned for our next installment featuring more VSB students discussing research topics with our world-class faculty.